morning, church families. We continue to worship this morning. I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me this Sunday morning to the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, Matthew chapter six. In the coming Sundays, we're going to be opening God's Word each week for uh, the springtime into uh, the into the summer as as we're going to be in the book of Exodus. But I thought it was appropriate to have a standalone sermon. Uh, before we jump into that Exodus series through the Ten Commandments next week, I thought it appropriate, especially in light of uh, the, the, the season of resolutions that, that we're in right now. I don't know how many of you have watched much TV, if you watched football yesterday, if you watched football this last week, if you were watching anything, one of the things you were bombarded with were opportunities to uh, become a healthier you in 2022. Uh, the Madison Avenue has, a, has you as its target, whether it's joining Weight Watchers or Nutrisystem or buying a Peloton bike or signing up for Beachbody. I mean, there is just this proliferation of fitness commercials that you've seen in the last week. And, and it's rightfully so because uh, there are very few among us that over the course of the last uh, few weeks have not overindulged from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And so there are a lot of people that are standing on the scales looking into 2022 saying, this is going to be the year that I resolve to lose uh, those pesky pounds, I resolve to be eat healthier, I resolve to exercise more. Maybe you had some resolutions this year to, to read more than you did last year, to travel more than you did last year. Maybe you had resolutions in, in a variety of, of places. I mean, this is the season of resolutions, and I, I think that's okay. I think it's okay for us to look at our life and to take stock of it and to say God has given us the gift of, of these moments and he calls us to be good stewards of our lives. And so I think uh, resolving to, to have healthy habits and, and more importantly, holy habits that lead us into the new year, is that's a healthy practice. It's a practice that I personally uh, have. It's a practice that our family has. We are able to look back on 2021 and look, take stock of where we've been. And last night we, we sat around the table and each of us had a pen and we had paper and we're writing out spiritual goals for 2022, we're writing out uh, educational goals, the number of books that we're going to read, the miles that we'd run, the exercise that we would do, all of those kinds of things I think, I think is healthy and I think can be helpful when we understand that as Christians, this is not an exercise in, in self-growth, but rather it is us uh, working out our salvation in fear and trembling, uh, dependent first and foremost on the Spirit of God that dwells in us and, and pushes us and propels us forward through His grace to grow in, and to look more like Him, to, to grow into the image of Christ. And, and the way that He does that in your life is, is through the ordinary means of grace. I mean, it is the preaching of God's Word. It is gathering together to worship Him as, as we have this morning, to sing songs that are, that are rich in Scripture and that we are able to join together to sing. But the ordinary means of grace are, are things like prayer and Bible reading. And so as we move into 2022, I, I thought it would be helpful for us to say, what, what, are, what are practical steps in your life and in my life that we're going to be more faithful upon Him in communion with Him in prayer? Uh, what, what does 2022 look like to be a prayer-filled year for you? What, what are steps that you can take? 
Uh, to ground us this morning, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to be in a variety of passages. But I thought it would be appropriate for us as we start this new year to, to start it with uh, the model prayer and the passages that surround the model prayer. I want us to read this out loud, actually. So I'm going to read this introductory phrase right here, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And I, I'm, I thought many of us memorized this passage in the King James Version. And so uh, you have it on the screen there. And when I get to uh, that part where the Lord's Prayer starts, will you join me with our Father? After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, this passage is preceded. Uh, we oftentimes memorized, we oftentimes have been grounded by the Lord's Prayer in a variety of contexts. It might be that you grew up in church and these words became familiar words that grounded your prayer life. But even if you didn't grow up in the church, uh, these words are words that have uh, really infiltrated our culture in a, in a variety of places. If you grew up playing sports in the Southeast, I would imagine that some of you remember what it was like to be in a high school locker room or middle school locker room, and, and the coach would, would punctuate the, the end of his inspirational speech with a, bring it in, and, and the Lord's Prayer would be the, the last thing before you went out onto the field to, to play. These are familiar words to us, but in their familiarity to us, we can sort of miss the context of, of why Jesus gave us these words. Uh, go back with me. You're looking in your copy of God's Word at verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 8. What precedes the Lord's Prayer? And what does Jesus teach us about the model prayer and what, are you, what he calls us as followers of him to do, not only this year, but every year of our life? Uh, notice again, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Let me, let me give you this little exercise as you're reading with me. Uh, n- note what Jesus repeats, it's, it's something that probably I don't say as much as I need to, but the Bible was written for us in an oral culture. I mean, it was written for that original context, passed down to us, but, but no one uh, took out their copy of God's Word 2,000 years ago and read along with it. So the orality of Scripture is really, really important. So you don't italicize things in the Bible, you don't bold things, you don't put things in all caps. But one of the ways that things are emphasized throughout Scripture in that oral culture is to repeat things. The resounding repetition gives you some indication of of the principles that are being passed down to us in the words of, of God here. So again, listen to it. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, verse 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before them, before you ask Him. Excuse me. Verse 9, pray then like this. Now again, with those prefatory comments that I gave you, what is repeated? What is the phrase that really grounds this passage before we move into the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer? Well, you heard it. You can read it in verse 5. 
Jesus says, and when you pray, in verse 6, but when you pray, in verse 7, and when you pray, you hear the repetition here. And it's just Jesus reminding the disciples then and reminding us as his disciples now that, that prayer is not an advanced elective for the spiritual elite. That prayer is, is, is not an advanced elective for the holiest of holy. But rather, prayer is core curriculum for every man and every woman who's a follower of Jesus. That, that to be a follower of Jesus is to be a person who makes prayer a priority in their life. Prayer is always a priority for a growing follower of Jesus. He, he would tell us in, in John's gospel that apart from him, we can do some things no. That apart from him, we can do a lot of things no. Uh, apart from him, he's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Prayer is a priority for a growing follower of Jesus. I, I love the writer, it's a little bit dated now, but a wonderful book from 30 or 40 years ago by Richard Foster called The Celebration of Discipline. And in that book, he's got a chapter on prayer. And there's always been a quotation that has just stood out to me as so absolutely true of my experience of prayer and my experience of following God. Prayer, Foster says, is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. And what I can relate to, and I think you can too, is this next sentence. If we're unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. That prayer is sort of a gauge in our spiritual life. And as we look back in 2021, and as we move to 2022, I think it's healthy. I think it's appropriate to say, what are ways that we are operating out of our own strength, our own wisdom, our own ingenuity, apart from a committed, healthy dependence upon him that is expressed in consistent, intentional prayer? Looking back, I mean, are, are, are we operating on spiritual fumes from years ago or decades ago or are we freshly filled on our knees in dependency to him in prayer? This is a good question for all followers of Jesus to ask as we move in to the new year. It, it's getting an indication of our spiritual gauge. Prayer is the central way that God uses to change us and to transform us. I mean, do you desire in 2022, I think the answer is yes, uh, do you desire peace with God? And, and to experience the peace that passes all understanding that he promises us in his scripture as followers. Do, do, we, do we desire the wisdom of God that he promises us? If we lack wisdom, ask, and he gives it to us without finding fault. Do we desire to be used by God in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, as husbands and fathers, as wives and mothers, as grandparents, as just faithful friends, uh, employers, employees? Do we desire victory over the sin that so easily entangles us and the habitual things that trip us up? Do we, do we desire his guidance through the challenging situations that maybe we have some indication that are coming before us, but for most of us, we have no idea what 2022 holds before us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And again, his word is, apart from me, you can do nothing. Which is a reminder, apart from a committed 
committed prayer life, we cannot nor will we experience all the fullness God intends for us. And we need to be reminded of that. Prayer is a priority for a, a committed follower of Jesus. And that's not just because Jesus talks about it, but he models this for us. When you open up the Gospels, one of the central themes that is just going to stare you in the face is, is that Jesus was a person that was committed to prayer. He was a person that, that prioritized communion with his Father. It's the lead-off chapter of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. You have of all the things that Mark could frame Jesus' ministry by telling us. He tells us this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, he being who? Jesus departed and went out where? To a desolate place. And there he did what? He prayed. If you flip over to Luke's gospel... If you read through Luke's gospel, one of the reoccurring themes that you're going to see again and again and again is that Jesus is a person that modeled vital communion, vital intimacy with his Father through prayer. There's hardly anything that gets done in Luke's gospel without Jesus on his knees talking to the Father before it gets done. I mean, we just see this. We see in Luke's gospel before he calls the 12, and in Luke chapter 6, what does he do? He prays, asking God to give him wisdom as he calls the disciples that will follow him. We see in Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus going into the wilderness to pray all throughout the night. Uh, we have Jesus take Peter, James, and John. They go up to the mount, what we know is going to be the Mount of Transfiguration. And they go up there, and you know why they go up there? To pray. We have Jesus teaching in the parables, and two of the most prominent parables that stand out to us in Luke's gospel are we have this persistent friend who comes in the middle of the night and knocks on the door, and we have a persistent widow who comes, and, he, and she just knocks, and she knocks what? Just reminding us of, of the vital connection to God the Father through prayer. So, so Jesus taught about prayer. He, he modeled the importance of, of that daily commitment to, to interact and to commune with his Father through prayer. We see it. And if you were to get in a time machine, go about 2,000 years, and you never heard of Jesus, and you came up in the midst of the disciples and you said, hey, hey tell me a little bit about what this guy prioritizes. What does he, what really, what makes him tick? What, what does he do uh, consistently? And, and they would tell you, I, I tell you this about Jesus. He is a person that talks to his father. He, he is a person who gets away to pray. And if we are going to be conformed into his image, one of the ways we will be conformed more and more into his image is that we are people that get away and we, we make prayer a vital part and a consistent part of our experience in life. A few years back, I was at a funeral where an adult son was eulogizing his father who had lived a faithful life. And, and many of you could, could maybe imagine what this adult son was going to say about his father. He, he talked with great nostalgia about some of the experiences that they had in life, some of the hunting trips that they had, some of the ways that his father would take time to invest in his son. They, they went to uh, different places that they enjoyed. They had spent time around uh, football games and baseball games. And, and all, of the, all of the time he, he spoke of those vacations and some of the funny stories that came out of that. But this, has, I've, I've never forgotten. He said, I tell you though, the, the most important thing that my father passed down to me was not something he talked a whole lot about, but he just modeled it day in and day out. When I was a little kid, I had, this is what he was saying, uh, we lived in a two-story house and I would come down the steps early in the morning and I would come around the corner and there would be my mother and my father's bedroom and so consistently I would see my father in the dark of the morning on his knees beside the bed in prayer. And that image, the sun set, 
is what sticks with me the most. The priority of my father on his knees in prayer is what he passed down to me. That's most lasting to me. And listen, every father here, every mother here, every grandparent here, we're passing down things to those that come behind us. But, but I wonder, I wonder, those that are closest to us, what do they see us prioritizing the most in our life? And it's not first and foremost for us to answer that question. It, it's healthy for us as we move into 2022 to say, what would those closest to us answer when asked that question? What are we modeling before them? Because I'm here to remind us of something that we all know, but our priorities today, they define you, they define me, but our priorities today, they they not only define us, but they define the generation that comes behind us. And so as we move into 2022, the question that is a healthy question, has prayer been a priority in our life? Is it a consistent part of our life? Or are we, are we moving into the new year with the spiritual fumes of, of past years and past decades? And I know so many of us can relate, but hey, David, there, there are just so many things that fight for my attention. I want to be more consistent in life, but I'm just so busy. I'm so busy with work. I'm so busy with family. I'm so busy with the opportunities that are before me. I just have not been able to carve out the time. And, and here's, the, here's the very point. You are so busy. You're, you're way too busy to not be a man or woman of prayer. You have so much going on. And the stewardship of, of what God has entrusted to you is such a gift. Who would want to steward that opportunity without a vital connection to the very one who desires to lead you and to guide you? Yes, you are busy. You're way too busy to not be a person of prayer. I'm way too busy to not be a person of prayer. Uh, The German reformer hundreds of years ago, Martin Luther, he, he would say this, that I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. And I'm not heaping guilt upon you to say, if you're not on your knees in prayer for three hours every day, then then you're a person that that is disappointing God. Don't hear that. But, But hear this to spur you forward. If prayer is not a consistent part of your life, how can it be more consistent moving into 2022? If prayer is a part of your life, but it's not a deeply committed nor focused part of your life, how can you be more focused And how can your time in prayer be more fruitful as you move into 2022? And it's not something that you just take a spiritual check mark by and say, done, I'm off with my day here. So all of us, no matter if we're novices that have very uh, little experience in prayer, or if we've been praying intentionally for decades, we always, when we move into the new year, have the opportunity to, to say, God, God, read my heart. God, God, show me ways that I can grow in a vital dependency upon you in prayer this year. And and to do that, I think we come back to this passage here because Jesus does give, he he gives us practical on-ramps. He gives us practical keys for making prayer a priority in our life. Go go back with me to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, we have this this passage of scripture that's really interesting where Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret, what? Will reward you. 
Now, it's easy for us to miss the context of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is countering the, the spiritual exhibitionism of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that first century. He, he, he is dealing with people that go on the, uh, the street corners and they pray in this pompous way to be seen and to be heard and to be applauded. Now, that's, that's rarely going to be the temptation for many of us here. But there is something about Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 that helps us very practically take concrete steps to be more intentional in our prayer life. Notice that Jesus, he, he tells us that we do need a consistent place. And it might not very well be because we need to counter the spiritual uh, sort of acting that goes on, but rather for us to be able to be men and women who are committed to commune with him in an undistracted way, in an undistracted place. Uh, Maggie Jackson is a journalist who wrote a book that is just still, very, the book's from 2009, and rarely do books from 2009 still have a, a whole lot of profit. There's just so much that's changed in the course of 11 or 12 years, uh, especially with, with some of these kinds of observational books. And, and the book is called Distracted. And the subtitle of the book gives you the premise of the book, The Erosion of Attention in the Coming Dark Age. And so, she is really speaking to things that we're fully enmeshed in right now. We have so many amazing technologies, and we're never more connected than ever right now. I mean, here, here we are. I mean, you can, you can be thousands of miles away, and you can, you can be in the military on deployment for nine months, and you be on the screen talking to your loved one, uh, quote-unquote, face-to-face. There's a lot about that that is just absolutely wonderful. There's, there's a lot of, of wonderful ways that we're connected to one another through social media and, and the pictures that are shared and the experiences that you're able to see. And these are things not to bemoan. These are things to say, God, thank you. Thank you for the way that you, you embed opportunities for us to be connected to one another. But, but we do know that with the advances of these technologies, there, there comes a, a dark side to this. And this is what Maggie Jackson was talking about, that we live now in a fully orbed land of distraction. It's these wonderful technologies that are sort of tethered to us in our back pocket, they, they can build a culture of diffusion and a culture of distraction and a culture of fragmentation and where our, our attention is constantly scattered. We're never fully anywhere at any time. We're always everywhere all the time. And our mind is just so many different places. And this has spiritual implications. Hey, guess what? You're not new. I'm not new. Distraction has always been here. But there is something, there is something about this moment that we're living in, and, and we're losing the ability to sustain focus. We're losing the ability to, to sustain intentionality here. And this has a whole lot, a whole lot of implications for, for marriages and parenting. It has a whole lot of implications for our spiritual life here. So when we think about the premises of a distracted age, it very well may be that, that one priority for us is to have a consistent place where this time, this day, I'm leaving my phone behind. I'm unreachable. You are not that important to be reachable 24-7. You're just not. And if you're always able to be reached, 
at all times. It very well may be that you're not cultivating the ability to be in communion with God because you're always, you're always uh, scrolling to the next thing. There's a phrase, and I want to live into this phrase better than I do, but, but I think it's a phrase that is helpful, that before you scroll, it is helpful to feed your soul. And one of the temptations in our day is, is that we get up out of the bed and we have a barrage of, of emails and a barrage of Twitter feeds and Instagram posts. But before you give yourself to the deep end of all of that diffusion, you have this time where you commit to the Lord in a consistent place. And I think place matters. I think place matters. Where is a place that is, is a daily appointment for you to talk to God? And if, that, if, you, if you don't have an answer to that question, no need to heap guilt upon you, but rather to say that very well may be a practical step for you to take into 2022. To say, hey, we live in a place where I have this, this beautiful back porch. And I'm just going to start my day or end my day there talking to God. For one minute, two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever that is, that next step. Or maybe you're here and you say, Every day, I've got 30 minutes of a commute that is before me. And, and I love my podcast, and I love the Audible uh, playlist that I have, and I, I love the uh, Spotify playlist that I have. I, I love all of that, but I'm, I'm going to take a, a portion of that commute, and this is going to be a place where I commune with God, and it's a daily appointment. Or maybe you have that, that exercise pattern where you walk in the morning and you have this beautiful canopy of, of God's creation that is before you and it is calling out for your attention. And it very well may be that, that you say going into 2022, this is going to be a consistent place that I commune with God. That in the midst of my walk, in the midst of my run, in the midst of whatever that is, that I'm going to, I'm going to consecrate this time and this is going to be a daily appointment for me to stand before God and to hear from him in dependence upon him. A consistent place. But notice also that, that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, he gives us a consistent plan. Another word that we could say is there's a pattern. I think sometimes we're paralyzed with prayer because sometimes we, we wonder to ourselves, am I just saying words that, that really don't have any true meaning to me. I have found this, and I think you have too, that you can be in a time of prayer and find yourself really, really distracted, and you have to kind of come back to a home base. What helps us, a consistent plan or a consistent pattern does? Go back with me to, to verse 9 of Matthew 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. In the English Standard Version, it reads, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, one of the ways that we would misappropriate the Lord's Prayer is to think that these are the only words that Jesus invites us to pray to the Father. That, that these are the, this is the vocabulary. And so we, we, these words become the only words that we can talk to God with. Well, no. But there is a pattern that is embedded. Notice that the Lord's Prayer begins not with Jesus giving us this invitation to bring our wish list to God and to say, here are all the things that I need you to know about and to do for me. Rather, it begins with what? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
It begins not with our wish list. It begins not with, with our laundry list of everything that's going on in our life. Rather, it begins with adoration. It begins with this holy understanding that He is God and we are not. And to stand before Him in prayer and understanding that, that first and foremost, we have the ability on a daily basis to be able to look around us and to look into the Word and to see that God is all around us and He is awesome and He is great and He is holy and He is ever-present and His strength never ends. And So every day that we come to Him in prayer, we're saying, we adore you, God, because you are amazing. Notice in this Lord's Prayer, we have not only an invitation to adoration, but we have this invitation, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. An invitation to confession embedded in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Martin Luther is reported to say that he would, he would end every day with an examination of the Ten Commandments over his life and over his soul. That can be helpful, maybe not helpful. But the principle is there that no day should go by that we don't say, God, what are ways that we're saying to you, my kingdom is going to come. My will is going to be done. Instead of your kingdom come, your will. What are, what are sins that, that have so easily entangled us that we need to confess and to receive the pardon that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't experience sometimes that cleansing uh, that, that he promises to give us because we don't ask for it in confession, adoration and confession. Then thanksgiving is embedded. There's so much around us that we have to be thankful for, the opportunities that he has given us, the, the family that he's given us, the friends that he's given us, the work that he has given us to do to thank God for that opportunity. And first and foremost, to thank him that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And that no matter what we experience in life, we always have a multitude of reasons to be thankful to him. And finally, supplication. You see, oftentimes prayer becomes just this repetition of this long list. And we think to ourselves, no, we're just going to adore him. We're just going to confess. We're just going to thank him. But he does tell us what? Give us this day our daily bread. And we need bread. St. Augustine, when he was talking about this passage in the 5th century, he talked about daily bread being communion, but he also talked about daily bread being the actual provision that we need for our daily life. And I think that's helpful because God wants to hear from us. What are those things in your life that you're struggling with? What are the things that you don't understand? What do you need in your life? What does your family need in their life? It, it might be helpful as we come to that supplication. You notice what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm giving you a plan of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and, and supplication acts here. That's been helpful to me. It might not be helpful to you, but I think a pattern and a plan would be helpful. Because when you're, when you're praying, you're going to be like me. We all know what it's like to, to move where we're really distracted and we, we can come back to a home base. And say, okay, I'm confessing. Okay, I'm thanking him. And there was supplication where, where we're able to ground our week. It, it might be helpful going into 2022 where, where Monday is, is a time that you pray maybe for missionaries. I mean, you use helpful things that maybe Wednesday is an opportunity that you pray for your witness, where you pray for family and friends who do not 
are, are not walking with the Lord and you're praying for opportunities to be a witness. And Thursdays are days that you're playing for, for the ability to trust Him more in your daily life. And, and Saturday, it might be helpful just to Saturday to say, hey, I'm going to pray for the worship services. I'm going to pray for other churches. I'm going to pray uh, for, for uh, Pastor David as he stands before us and preaches that he would preach from the Word of God with boldness and clarity to be able to pray. And Saturday could be a good day that you do that. And again, what is this? That this is a pattern. This is a plan. I've told this story before, but to me, it's, it's really symbolic of how we experience life. I had a group of us that went to a race in Huntsville, Montesano there, and a beautiful race, beautiful place to be, and we we're caravanning up to Huntsville to this race, and I got a call probably about an hour and a half outside of Huntsville from the friend that was behind me. He said, David, I've got a problem here. Well, what's your problem? I've broken down on the side of the road. What in the world? I mean, how did you break down? Well, he was sort of sheepishly said to me, I ran out of gas, and I'm going to tell you, and that was like 2019, 2018, how in the world do you run out of gas now? You know, and so we just ribbed him to no end of like, oh, you ran out of gas. He had a brand new vehicle that was literally screaming to him with all of these uh, lights flashing. You are going to run out of gas. No, really, you're going to run out of gas. No, really, you are going to run out of gas. I am not kidding. I mean, that his vehicle was like, telling him all of that. And, and, you know, I asked him, I was like, how, how, did, you, how did that happen? And here, here is his answer. There's nothing profound about it, but it really, I think it is profound. He said, David, you know, the vehicle's filled up. I was watching you. You were before me. I was kind of watching you as you were driving. And we just got caught up in the conversation. And we were just talking. And I just really wasn't paying attention. And, and I think as you move into 2022, it very well may be that that is an appropriate metaphor for your life. That I doubt that there are going to be these huge temptations that are going to derail so many of us that are here in the sanctuary. But it's going to be the good things in life that just distract us from the fuel we need for the journey ahead. And if you're not careful, distracted by the good, distracted by all that's around you, you will find yourself out of spiritual fuel. Do you, my friend, have a consistent place and a consistent plan to sit under a God who loves you, created you, has redeemed you, and is transforming you more and more into his image. Do you have a place? Do you have a plan? I just remind you at the start of this year, there are a lot of resolutions that you can make, but I assure you, this is a resolution that you'll never regret making and through his grace and through his strength walking in this new year. Amen.